Welcome. Thanks for joining me, the Film 3 OG. I'm Jordan Bain, and this is The Next Wave of Cinema. Today's episode is brought to you by Glass. Glass is an ecosystem where creators and communities engage directly with one another, create, share, and monetize decentralized videos. On today's episode is my dear friend, Julie Pacino. Julie's an amazing photographer and filmmaker um, and the uh, first filmmaker to fully fund her feature film using an NFT strategy in Web3 and Film3. And uh, we're here to chop it up talk about um, why she came into Film 3, what that means, and what the future looks like for Keepers of the Inn. Super psyched to be here with my friend, uh, Julie Pacino, an amazing, amazing, amazing photographer and filmmaker. And um, and I'm in a moment going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. A lot of things that we've talked about for over a year now right? It's been, for me, I met you, uh, uh, God, um, pretty much, I think, in January 2022, when you mm-hmm. when you uh, closed out the mint and fully minted out uh, the Keepers of the Inn, I Live Here Now, um, feature film. And that was a pretty extraordinary moment that I want to talk about in a little bit, but I would love to just start at the fucking beginning where people are going to want to know, who is Julie Pacino? Um, what the fuck uh, is, does she do? What does her last name mean? And what does that mean to her, more importantly? Um, and, uh, and how did she become an artist? I mean, I want to talk artist and then what brought you all the way. But I think sometimes we just got to get some of this shit out of the way. I love it. Yeah, no, for sure. I, we, can, uh, we can kick it off. Yeah, it's great to be here. Obviously, we've known each other for a while. And been through a lot together uh, as film film pioneers in the space. Um, I met you, yeah, it was like January 2022. I entered the space in around March of 2021, but I was really, really stealthy when I first came in. I guess stealthy is like the cool word, but, but really I was just shy. Um, and so, you know, I spent a few months like really watching how things went down and trying to educate myself on what exactly an NFT was. And at that point in time, um, photography was having a a really massive run. And a a good friend of mine who onboarded me into the space named Will Savis, uh, who's amazing. He's with the Guppy group with Ian and Benny. And those guys were shepherds for me uh, at the very beginning. And, um, you know, they were kind of telling me that that photography was was taking off and they had seen some of my portrait work and told me that there wasn't really anything like it in the space and that um, they thought I should try to wrap my head around a collection. And so it was really fun to do that. I I had this, um, I had this library of photos that I had taken at the Madonna Inn Hotel, which uh, were photos of friends of mine, like in character, uh, for this movie that I had also just written called I Live Here Now. And um, those photos inspired the script. And so I put together this collection where I like narrowed down, I think I had like something crazy, like 2000 photos all taken on on 35 millimeter film. Um, 
and medium format film. Uh, and so I, I narrowed that down to a hundred of my favorite photos. And I built this collection called I Live Here Now that I felt was really exciting because it it wasn't just photos with no story. It was really challenging the collectors and, and the audience to, to try to piece together what this film was about through images of these characters, which is which is how I wrote a script based off the photos. It was, they were photos first and then, and then things started occurring to me. Um, so I was always, so I was excited about that sort of storytelling aspect of it, which I think, especially at the time was like such a, such a essential piece to, to have accompany your, your collection in the space. Um, and so I dropped that on August 31st of, of, uh, 2021 and that sold out within an hour, um, a hundred pieces. And it was like, I don't, it was it's <laughs> like the greatest day of my life, honestly. Like it was so validating and amazing to see that there were people that wanted to own my artwork. And I started instantly just having these amazing conversations with people and was so welcomed by the community and, I just knew at that point, like I, I wanted to keep building in the space and, and that I, as an artist, never wanted to do anything outside of the space because I had never experienced anything like that. And so I made all these amazing contacts and, and pretty instantly started thinking about what an, uh, my second drop would look like relating to the film and started having conversations with collaborators um, you know, and my creative and business partner, Kyle Kaminsky, who, you know, uh, we started formulating a plan uh, to build the community around the film uh, with a larger scale collection and potentially finance the film and, and help finance other people's film with this large scale connect uh, collection, uh, Keepers mm -hmm. of the Inn, which, um, which we'll get to. But yeah, that's kind of how I got into the space. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah, um, that's when I met you was around the keepers. And it was I think it was December. December that I 17th. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when I heard about it. And I was like, what? What? And and because and I and I talked to you about this, the, the very first time I interviewed you was um, I was so inspired, you know, at that moment, I was getting ready to drop red flags, uh, the one of one uh, short motion picture. And I had also been searching for ways to unlock how can we utilize this technology and 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 not only that, this ethos, um, which is film three, right? Um, the what's now called film three. What how do we how do we unlock these creator-led communities to be powerful? Right. Mm -hmm. And and I had not figured it out. And then suddenly I saw your um your strategy and it all clicked and I got so fucking excited. I was like, I have to talk to her. I have to talk to her. And I think that the day that we interviewed you on the squad space um, was I right around the day that you minted out. I don't think, um, yeah, I think it was before that. Cause I remember, it? yeah, I, you know, I remember prepping for that and being like really excited about meeting this whole new audience that I hadn't connected with yeah. yet. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was in early January. We hadn't minted out just yet, but we were, we were sort of on our way. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I was, I, I, I just remember thinking, okay, now we finally have 
an, a, a real blueprint, a blueprint here of the way that we could fund future film. And we're going to talk about like what that's like today um, over a year yeah. later, um, because it's a very, very different market. And um, and but still, essentially, I think it's an incredible strategy. I also think we've learned a lot since then, um, not just about sovereignty and IP ownership and um, and a lot of other things along the line, like distribution models and things like that. Um, but yeah, I I'm still I still look to your model. And then of course Miguel came along, and you know he also looked to your model, and he had been tweaking his model, um, and he came along a couple months later and and started his mint. Um, but I do want to, there was something I mentioned and I, and I do want to talk about, cause I think it's important when one of the things you just said about the, the minting out of keepers or I live here now was not just for the feature film, right. But was something that the brand keepers of the end wanted to do, which is, um, amplify, promote, support other filmmakers and, and and the reason I brought up your last name is because for me, I have never met someone who understood the power of having either a last name or, um, uh, you know, more money than someone else or something like just some little thing that they have that they could actually change other people's lives with. And I'm one of those people that you have changed. So if you're changing my life by amplifying me and, you know, and, and saying my names in, in, in rooms where, where, uh, other people might not know me or I'm, I'm not in that room, you're amplifying the whole squad because it's sort of like, and you're doing the same thing with like, um, you just recently, uh, won an auction through, through the squad for uh, a one of one unique piece of art. And that was because you knew that that was going to go to a grant and an award for a woman filmmaker. So I love the way you approach this. I love the way you share, um, uh, you know, the fact that your dad happens to be a legend and you use that for other people. So I want to just talk about it. And then, sure. because I think that that's an important thing to talk about first. Mm -hmm. because to me that is such a key to your heart like who you are individually and also like your artist like you are your own artist to me oh for sure yeah and I know and we talk about it a lot and I think yeah. it's really interesting um well first of all you asked me what my last name means and and I have a literal answer for that actually my dad just told me last weekend at dinner and sometimes he says shit to fuck around. So like, take this with a grain of salt. But, but according to him, our last name, Pacino, means peaceful, peaceful people. And like, I think that that <laughs> so perfectly sums up him and our our family vibe. Like, we like to keep, oh, we, we like to keep the peace. Um, and we believe all ships rise. So I, I, I hope that that's really what it means. Um, but if not, that certainly is like our family mantra. Um, we're, we're all about peace and just making art. And so, yeah, I think like when I sold out my artwork and got the news that I was going to be able to, you know, make my movie 
the way that I wanted to, I, it's was seriously just the greatest feeling I've ever felt. And so, um, I'm of the belief that abundance is abundant and that, uh, my mission in life, since I was, I've been so fortunate to like, have been born into this family and also have been so fortunate to have a deep desire to need to make uh, my art in the medium of film. Like I've known that from a, a very young age, which is not something I take for granted. Um, it's, it, I've felt like a, a strong calling and purpose to uh, try to create as many opportunities for other people as possible because I, because I grew up with, with a sort of passport into the business. I grew up with parents who really encouraged me as an artist and supported me as an artist. And I just feel like I want to pay that forward to as many other people as possible, because I think that positivity and love and abundance is contagious. And the more of that I can spread, uh, the, the wider my reach and the more comes back to me. And then, the, and then I can go to the next level and spread it on an even larger scale. And, and I don't know, like that just feels good. Um, and it's really easy in this business to get caught up, uh, to, to, it's really easy to be selfish. It's like, and to get caught up with money and making a thing, but I like to always zoom out and, uh, and try to like, understand that this shit is finite and there's an end of the road for all of us and like kind of think about how I want to leave the world when I'm when I'm done here like I, I I it's important to me to leave it at least a little bit better than I got it and um and so the way I know how to do that is by helping as many other people and amplifying as many other people uh, to pursue their art and to encourage them. And, and in the case of keepers of the end, be able to help give them, you know, financial resources uh, to, to do their art and to make their things. And so, um, you know, yeah, the last name is, is really great in a lot of ways because it, um, it enables me to ha get, you know, visibility, which is also a double-edged sword because sometimes, uh, you know, there are conclusions made about me before I've even really been giving it, given a chance, which, which we can also talk about as a, an issue I had run into in, tri in traditional finance models. Um, but yeah, I think like, I don't know if that answers your question, but, but definitely just, it, it really kind of comes back to just like my mission as a human being and, and wanting to help other human beings. And, and that's how it all started. So of course, I knew that if I was going to make a large scale collection and, you know, sell it out and have a bunch of ETH, I, I always, me and Kyle always felt like it was going to be really important to give that ETH to underrepresented voices um, to like literally be the change that we really want to see in the space, which is equity, uh, you know, across the board. So, yeah. This is why you and I are friends, because we align so yeah. deeply on this stuff. Mm -hmm. I, my mission being the same things, why I started the squad was like, you know, to create a better future for the marginalized and the underrepresented. I mean, I always say for all filmmakers, but really it's to bring that equity to to those voices. I, I, I talk about it a lot. Um, 
that I, if you really think about it on a on a global scale, and not just about being a storyteller, a filmmaker, a creative, but if you think about the fact that how powerful storytelling is and filmmaking is, and what what did everybody do during the pandemic? They watched films, they watched stories, they like, you know, it was like gathering around the campfire together. And if all of those stories are just told by cisgendered white men, which is what has happened, then that is the, the world that gets reflected back at us. Mm-hmm. But if we really start to give voices to other people where the gatekeepers have said, well, there's no audience, but in fact, that's a lie. Yeah. There is an audience. And I always say Tyler Perry proved that there is an audience in a massive way. Seriously. Ava DuVernay proved that there's an, an there is an audience in another massive way, right? And so um, as, as people see themselves represented on on in stories and on screen and have more accessibility than to understand other cultures we are ushering in a significant impact social impact that will change the world because suddenly it's not a culture we don't understand it's a culture we get a we get to view so we get to view lgbtqia people in a way that i didn't get to view when i was coming up you know and i was like I feel really out here all by myself because I don't really fit the dyke mold right now because I was a super femme presenting, right? And and I don't see many people like me because everybody's super scared. You know, I certainly didn't see them on screen, right? Yeah. But now we see them. Yeah. And now you see Gen Z being like, hell yeah, I'm on the spectrum. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) I am, I'm, you know, I'm all the, I'm all the sexuality. It makes dating really hard. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but the you know I think there's an incredible global power in mm-hmm. as we know in storytelling. Um, but I do want to double back on something. I get super inspired, and you know I know we've got limited time. I could just jam on that. Yeah, but, I did. Uh, but let's talk about what you mentioned a moment ago because I think it's a really important story for everyone again to understand that. Um, you got into certain rooms because you came up in the business, but that did not mean that 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 made things easy at all. And you've talked about this, but I want I want to talk about it because this is a much bigger audience that's going to that, you know, this podcast will reach. Um, and I feel like that that was part of the mechanism that brought you into Web3 into film three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, there it's like so layered, right? Because the main thing with it is is really finding m- my own voice in Web3 um, and understanding that my art had value because it was cool and because people liked me, um, right? Like that's the thing about the space is, is it's, it isn't all just about the art, right? Like you can take a cool photo and it doesn't mean that it's gonna get collected, but it is relationship based and, and it's about how you represent yourself. And so I really liked that in the space because it was, I felt like I was being seen for me um, as opposed to my last name. Even when I first entered the space, most people didn't know that that I was a Pacino um, or they didn't put two and two together. And that was really fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, it's for me to be able to get a meeting, um, you know, with someone to sort of cut the line or I get to the top of a pile because of my last name, 
um, is a really fantastic opportunity. And I, I always take those opportunities really seriously. And I feel like it's not about who opens the door for you. It's how you walk through it. You still have to walk through it. Like if I show up to a meeting and, you know, don't have anything interesting to pitch the person, then like, they're probably going to pass. And so I don't really, there's, there's never a sense of entitlement, um, going into it. It's the, the fact is that the type of stories that I want to tell, like to your point with, with, you know, strong female leads and queer representation in, in those stories, um, often just gets rejected based off of that. And so while I, I could maybe get a meeting, I was still sort of being told the same things that other other artists in my position are, get told, which is just that this is niche or like there's like, you know, it's, it's too small. Um, and so that changed when I entered Web3 because I was being told the opposite. And, um, and so that was really empowering. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the thing that would surprise most people is that while you might walk through a door because of the stories that that make your heart beat and the ones that you want to tell, they, they it, you're getting the same gatekeeping, the same. Yeah, gatekeeping. for sure. And then also, you know, a, a lot of times it's like, well, you're a Pacino. Like, what do you why are you coming to us? Like, just go make it with make the movie with your dad and that's really layered too, because, you know, my dad is uh, an amazing actor, but he's usually my roles are for, you know, women that are, you know, that uh, women, whatever, he's got brain <laughs> women, women. Um, and also, you know, my dad's not a film investor. He's, he's not a, an investor. I'm so like, there's that too. Right. So I, I think like, that is that that was that those were roadblocks that I was hitting and were quite frustrating because I'm like did you even read the, my script to understand that there isn't a role for my dad in it <laughs> um and so that that was like always really frustrating <laughs> no they didn't I thought about that but they just use my dad he's got value it's like whoa you're right oh my god brilliant yes I'll cast my dad and you know, it's just like such an uh, such a presumptuous thing to say. Also, even just to think that my dad would want to be in a in a movie <laughs> like this. Like, it's just there's a lot of assumptions that get made um, along the way that I just find really funny. I'm like, well, why? Like, why doesn't you know? I I feel like saying that to other people when they bring up bring it up. It's like, well, why don't you just get your dad defunded it's like well why don't you just get your dad to fund it like <laughs> no, it's like probably the same reason right like or similar it's just your dad isn't a, a seasoned film investor or isn't interested in investing in film yeah and so it's it's anyway yeah i think it's hilarious i mean just i mean i i get it but really i could almost believe that they didn't read the script they oh, yeah. were like, and and then they were just like, oh my God, we could get Al Pacino in this and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you know, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. and you're like, um, no. Yeah. You know, it's happened a couple of times too, where I'll like take a meeting and then suddenly by the end of the meeting, like they're pitching me a project <laughs> that I've just got to get to my dad. And I'm like, wait a second. And it's just, it becomes this, like, if you get it to him, it's just, and, and so 
I'm, I'm like, you're just not listening to what I have to say. If you, and, and then I've had meetings where, where people will listen to what I have to say and then they're just not interested. And I, I totally love and respect that. I think rejection is such a massive part of becoming successful and it's really, hmm. I don't mind it. I prefer it. I would rather that than be strung along or manipulated. Hmm. And, um, and yeah, so that's, that's also the thing. I think that um, this is such a <laughs> this is such a great conversation. I actually didn't think we'd go down this road this long, but I think it's important because there's two things going on here. It's like one, there's still the gatekeepers, and then you've got freaky gatekeepers. Like they're different than my gatekeepers. <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're trying to pitch you and to to get their your dad in their their movie, and that is not happening to me. Um, I'm but, just like go to go through his agent. I don't. I don't represent my dad. Like as my dad, exactly, exactly. I eat dinner with him and like play stickball. You know, it's just like I don't. I'm not his agent. I don't. I can't negotiate on his behalf. But, but I mean, I think cool. it's. I think it's important. It's an important uh, part of the piece of the puzzle that brought you into Web three. It's like it's like I have my own voice, and and I want sovereignty over that voice. Yeah. And, and which I think that, you know, there, I, I, I know that there are like lots of gray areas for all of us as we're traversing this kind of landscape right now, but, and I have a, I'm going to go find a community that believes in my voice that wants to see this pic, this, this, this picture, this motion picture that, that you seem to think there's not going to be an audience for, I'm going to go find them. And I'm going to make that film for them. Yeah. And then I'm going to make another film for them if they want to come along on the journey. Yeah. Like, I feel like that this, your rejections and as weird as they were, like, and, and different from other people's is what brought you in. But also, I'm just going to say this, it was really important for the ecosystem to have you come in, you know, not only because of just your now, now I'm I'm literally just going to I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I'm going to tell you the truth. Your work is phenomenal and it stands on its own. It it's its own unique. There is still I still don't I haven't seen another photographer like you come into this space. Yeah. Like you have your own unique voice. Mm. Um you fucking love blood. Love it. <laughs> You love it. <laughs> exactly. You know, every once in a while, I'll see a photograph uh, that'll come through with like a bunch of blood on it. And you'll be like, like, yeah, dude. yeah, man, like red is awesome. Um, <laughs> and, and I think the art is like, I, I think the quality of the art is the thing that I'm the most proud of about my work and, and particularly about Keepers of the Inn. I, I poured my heart and soul into that collection because it was always important to me that um, my collectors and my community saw that effort and felt like th they were buying a piece of art mm -hmm. that they also loved, not just a token to be a part of a thing or a token to crowdfund a movie. It's, it's like each NFT stands on its very own as a Julie Pacino photograph that I'm super proud of. And I think that, um, as we progress and as the years go by, I, I think that the scale and scope of the work in that project is really going to stand out. 
Um, cause it, I, I, it's, I was really dedicated. It was the most important thing to me that, that each one of those photos was, was banging. Um, and so I'm really, really fucking proud of that. And I, and I love seeing other projects that do the same. That's one of the things that I really liked about Miguel's project as well. I, you know, him choosing to mint still frames from his beautiful short. Like I, I just, that's, that was like, hell yeah. And I, there's nothing wrong with, you know, generative tokens or anything like that, to, you know, for, for, you know, like the squad or for, or for institutional things. But if you're an artist and you're coming into the space and you want to get people excited about your vision as a filmmaker, um, it's really important to, to make sure that that art represents it. Um, we, you and I are going to, of course, have a part two about your, your um, process and your progress, because, you know, you're, you are in pre-production uh on on i live here now mm -hmm. and there's so much to talk about about this moment um and so much to talk about about process and so you know we we we're always going to have be able to have a conversation i think about um process and all of this has been a huge process um from an artistic point of view and also from like changing the world part of you that's why i was saying it was really important that you came into the space because you also gave visibility to the space that had not happened yet and and honestly the entire ecosystem needed that and we we still need it it's why like bringing in john swetnam who you know is a head writer and a producer of like the new true james cameron tv show and constantine and things like that like being able to to bring eyes to the entire movement, which is not gonna be a movement just for Julie Pacino and Jordan Bain. We're trailblazing a path to uplift others, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But that brings me around to why it's also now really important um, to get you into production full time. Um, I know that you've shot a few things and you know, so you are, kind of like in that middle of pre-production and production. Let's talk about that. What has that been like? Because um, I'm not sure how much you want to talk about, but whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, it's been a real process. So, you know, it, it's like, like for me, I, uh, I, I spend a lot of time and energy, right? Like I said, with Keepers, like on the, on the creative and, for me, you know, the script and all of the elements that come along with putting together a vision for a movie are the most important thing for me. I want to make a great film. I'm not, uh, I'm not in a rush to make the first film or, um, <laughs> you know, try to hit some deadline for some festival that's that's just going to happen again next year. You know, that that is never that kind of pressure is never something that I put on myself, um, you know, I think there's obviously needs to be urgency and I'm, you know, I've, I've never started a film that I haven't finished, but, but certainly like the, this, the creative needs to be treated in a delicate way and needs to have time to morph and change and, and become what it's meant to be. And so, um, once we were able to get the keepers collection sold out and, you know, felt really secure in our in our financing of the film um I was really able to focus on the creative and we we've had a lot of things happen in the past year um we've had 
you know, some, I've, I've rewritten certain characters. Casting is, has been a thing that's changed. The location has changed completely. Um, you know, we went from deciding that we were going to shoot it on, on location to like, no, we want to build this whole thing. So conversations with production designers about building sets and, and then that, then changing the script. And so it's been, um, the, the film, where it was a year ago to where it is now is, is almost a completely different movie. The, the the vision is just so much more specific now than it was. And, um, and part of that process has been, you know, through, it has evolved and changed through conversations with my community, through, you know, people seeing the photos and having interpretations and, giving me their feedback and sparking ideas within me and with my actors. And, and so um, it's just been really fun for, to, to be a part of this unfolding. And, you know, luckily we were, we were able to shoot some of the, some of the scenes in the movie. And that was like an absolute blast. And it actually helped inform decisions that I'm making now about the meat and potatoes of the production. Um, and so it's been like a very unique process that's been entirely focused on the art. And, and that's really all I wanted in, in this space was to be able to come in and have give myself the means and resources to build this movie this way. Um, it's not how I'm going to make all of my movies, but this film is a very personal movie. And so it, it, it needed this, it needed this dedication and, and attention to creative detail. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I know I'm being a little bit vague, but, 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 you know, I, I guess like, I'm always open for, specific questions yeah, in yeah. I'm in touch with my community and you know sometimes people hit me up and want updates and and I'll hop on the phone with them it's it's fun for me yeah I don't think you're being vague at all I think that I think that one of the things that people don't realize is that when you sold out and minted out keepers um that you had not finished the script and so you involved the community that was like one of the very first things you did was involve the community in that i'd like to talk about that and community yeah. and now so what was that like yeah i mean that is a, a, a fact like when the first draft of this screenplay was 65 pages and like was way more um abstract and i was really you know trying to make it on a very, very shoestring budget with my friends. And just, we're like, we'll all just go and do this guerrilla style and we won't ask for, for permission. Um, and so, you know, think about that versus where we're at now, where we've got a distribution company attached and we're shooting on a major motion picture studio in Louisiana. And, you know, we're working with like really awesome, exciting talent that's, uh, you know, some of whom are recognizable. And so like the thing has sort of snowballed into this, into this 96 page version right and so like um that's been really cool because yeah the the community when i when i when i dropped those photos like there were things that the community were picking up on that i just didn't even intend to be there whether it was you know uh, a, a setup that uh, that seemed like a dream to certain people that i was like oh wow that 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 could definitely work and so um, I don't know, like that aspect of it. And then having a few community members who were like really passionate and really excited about the story, reaching out to me and having just like in-depth one-on-one -on -one 
conversations with people almost like functioning as like my creative co-producers right when and I I love that like I think conversations like that are really the most valuable as opposed to like large scale like hey vote on this like I we tried that it didn't really get a lot of traction Mm -hmm. and it also didn't really help the creative process you know it, it wasn't I found people were less interested in that and, and more interested in like really connecting with me and talking on a more like philosophical broad level about what the theme of this movie was. And, and then that, the more times I talk about that, the clearer it gets in my head. And, and then that then makes me a better director because I, it helps me understand what I'm doing and how to communicate that. Yeah. And my the specificity. Audience. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. I, I found that, we are so early in this idea of creator-led communities um, that a lot of people don't. They just want to watch. They just want to still somehow be a part of it. But then there are some people that really want to engage. And uh, and I love the way you had told me this before, that you it was kind of like, yeah, they gave you notes. It was like having a creative council come in and give you notes and help you tweak things. So we're shooting it on film and... I, so, okay, I'm trying to think about how to say this. Um, The studio that we're going to be working with um, is also doubles as a film labs slash manufacturing company. And so um, we're talking to them about the type of stock that we're going to use on this movie. We've already used some Kodak stock. We're experimenting with some of their stock as well. It might be a combination of the two things, but I think one of the things that we're really excited about is creating a, a, and I live here now, 35 millimeter stock. Now it could be a motion picture stock that we shoot on. um, And we're, we're running tests on that now, but, but at the bare minimum, it's, it'll be like a 35 millimeter film camera like still camera stock because that's how this whole thing started and so when we talk about where we're going and like future utility um those kinds of things get me really excited because the game really starts to change once the whole film is in the can and i can start playing around with that and so like while my focus right now is strictly on on finishing the shooting of this movie um, that those, those things that are in the pipeline are going to be a blast. And, and yeah, we're partnering with MoonPay. They're going to be a co-executive producer on the film and, um, they're acquiring, acquiring a photograph of mine. And in the metadata of that photograph is a link to view a scene from, from the, I live here now universe, a scene that we shot for the movie. And, um, it's exclusive to the collector of the photograph, but MoonPay is gonna also open that up to all keepers of the in holders where you'll be able to go onto a token gated site and put your wallet address in. And if you have a keeper, you know, watch watch this like very raw sort of scary scene um, that I'm excited for people to see. So yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement around shooting on actual film and how that can tie into like the digital asset with the physical actual film um accompanying it and you know we've talked about like having the physical reel if you that comes with ownership of a physical scene and being able to like then burn the reel of film and then it only exists digitally and there's just like fun oh, 
So very Banksy. <laughs> yeah, very, very Banksy vibes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, by the time this comes out, like that's going to be so many of us will have already experienced that um which will be really really cool and i love that you're shooting on film i love that like um that old school thing and um so i got another question though based on like old school and new school you're also working with mid journey yeah mid journey has been so cool like like i'm not we're not like officially partnered with them but i'm using mid journey to help with storyboards and really production design has been where it's like thrived where I, I'll input texts or description from my screenplay and with photographs that I took keepers of the in photos and then it's it'll spit out this like this version of my vision that always has the essence and the feeling that I'm going for and so um, since we're building the whole play the, the whole in on a soundstage, it's been really fun to describe to Mid Journey how I want the space to look and feel and um, what colors I want. And then it, it'll spit out an image and then I'll just send that right to my production designer. And usually he's just like, what the fuck is <laughs> Yes. And I'm like, okay, how do we do this? Um, so it's really fun. It's so insane, right? The, the explosion of of ai and you've been working with it longer than a lot of people in the space sort of scary the chat gpt thing is wild nuts it's nuts i saw someone some twitter i'll send it to you when we get off like some there's like a twitter bot that can reply to things if you tag it it's like reply chat gpt and some douchebag was talking about like you know (laughs) mental health and men and that men need to just suck it up and can't just take a pill to to numb their pain or whatever and then this like this chat gpt bot just like replied and fucking roasted him i'll send it to you it's amazing <laughs> please like, send oh, that to me <laughs> it's so good um so it's but it's like also kind of scary like not gonna lie it's like a little bit a little i think bit it's i i think on an ethical on an ethic in an ethical way, there's definitely certainly reasons to be concerned, but I think we are at a a creative moment that we can't even we can't even imagine the scope of how our lives are gonna change in this moment. Yeah, I mean it's just not I think the thing that's makes me scared but excited is not no not being able to tell the difference. Like if someone had just like that tweet is an example. I would have never guessed that a a bot wrote that or some of these some of these AI images that look like they're actual photographs. Um, yeah, it fucks with your head to not be able to tell the difference. It just is like trippy and and like wigs me out. And so I haven't figured out. I'm still processing <laughs> like what that means. <laughs> I uh, I know we got to wrap this one, um, but there's a there's a question I want to ask you, and then. Um, I'm super psyched to pick, you know, to do a second one once you yeah. got the film in the can. Mm-hmm. Um, what does film three mean to you? Film three means to me uh, power to the artists. It's it, like, and you and I have talked about like United Artists and the principles on which that company was founded, right? With with Chaplin and Fairbanks and Pickford and D.W. Griffith. Griffith. Um, wanting to take control from the studios and give it back to themselves the 
filmmakers, the people who um, audiences were going to see, right? Like they're like, wait a second, like audiences are coming to these movies to see me. Why are you calling the shots? And I I think it's the same thing with film three. It's about, um, it's about connecting the audience with the artists and understanding that that's where the value is. And, um, and that's basically, I mean, it's, it's many things, but that I think is at it, at its core, the most important thing that film three is. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. I love is it. Right? I'm like, Oh no, no, you just, it's, you just said what Steven says a lot, but you use an actual, um, from the beginning of filmmaking moment, right? At the beginning of filmmaking, studios wanted to have all the power and all the IP and take it. And and they thought that they were the reason people were going to movies. And Stephen is always saying, no, reason people are going to movies is because of the actor or because of the director mm-hmm. or because of the writer, let's say, you know, I mean, I'm why did I watch The Last of Us? Because of the writer. Oh, man. Yeah. Craig Mazin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Chernobyl, I just finished, which was like <laughs> devastating. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, film used to be a producer's medium and and that's what United Artists sought to destroy. And I don't know where it is right now. It's sort of somewhere in between, hmm. um, you know, obviously famous actors carry a lot of weight and as do like the big daddies like Netflix and Hulu and, you know, these people call the shots. And so I think, um, there's got to be more of a middle ground and yeah, there just needs to be more of a connection between audience members and filmmakers. And that's what I want as an audience member. I'm an audience member. I like, I, I'm, I'm a film fan and and that's what I want. A hundred percent. I actually heard things in this one that I haven't heard you say. Um, and in- yeah, I'm, I could keep talking for an hour if I didn't have to run. Like, I, feel I like know it's so like, we will. Yeah, me too. It feels very fresh. And I think it's just going to keep getting more and more fresh, especially as I progress through my process. Like I'll be making new discoveries along the way and I'll be really excited to share those. Cause that's the main thing about this. Like none of us know what we're doing exactly. <laughs> we're just sort of, we're just sort of, um, trial by error, erroring it. And, uh, and, that's really fun and it's scary, but it's fun. And I think anyone that's coming into the space into film three should just do the same thing and get in there with us. And, um, you know, anyone that's claiming to know exactly what's going to happen or know exactly how to do this to equal success, um, is not being fully honest with themselves perhaps. No, no, that's true. I mean, I, I said today uh, in a, one of my spaces that because because of, you know, doing well over 300 shows on film three at this point, not on a podcast, not this podcast, but on the Twitter shows. And and part of what made me begin to understand the movement that that originated with the squad but to understand it was the spotlighting all the different creators that came in and their innovations that they were bringing so the more people that that we can onboard 
the more innovative uh, innovations, the more someone else's imagination that you didn't think Fuck of it yeah. this way, they're unlocking this piece of the of the puzzle. You're unlocking this piece of the puzzle. This thing is going. It's already compounding. So you're yeah, you know, you go off and 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 get the film finished, and and then you're going to come back with with more experiences. And then of course, this moon pave thing has been another amazing move. You know, like step forward for yeah, yeah, moon, know, yeah. The moon pave thing is great, and you know, Keith Grossman and Tom Capone like really spearheaded it for and with me. Uh, you know, Keith, it feels like a very full circle thing for me because. After I did, I live here now in August of 2021, my, my first like group sort of photo thing was the time Genesis build a better future when Keith was with time. And, um, once that came out, that really, uh, really amplified me and, and, you know, grew my following and my reach. And so, um, to be doing this with him and, and with Tom, Tommy two times, as I call him, um, because one time we ate lunch and he ordered two caesar salads uh <laughs> absolute fucking savage that guy is um uh but anyway yeah it's it's like i i love those guys and uh it's been really fun to to build this this thing with them and to have them on board supporting my film i just feel like a lot of relief and a lot of gratitude um to everyone that's been involved it's been a journey yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm psyched. All right, man. Well, listen, Sweet. this was awesome. 